Welcome back to Real Estate Team Builders. Lars Hedenborg here, the founder of Real Estate B-School. And this podcast exists in many ways for me to have a platform to share my failures so that other people uh, can ascend uh, faster their journey to uh, true business ownership, to build a business uh, that is uh, based on sustainable systems, has empowered people running those systems so that we can get to our highest and best use, not only in our business, but also to impact, um, uh, have a true impact in our families, in our communities, and in the world. Uh, I had the pleasure, the honor of uh, going to Lebanon, uh, the city of Beirut, uh, this past week. And so it was uh, not quite a mission trip. I've been on a handful of mission trips before. This was more of a vision trip for an organization uh, called Open Eyes and an amazing organization. Uh, I was able to actually spend some time with uh, Frank Harrison, who's the CEO of uh, Coca-Cola Consolidated, uh, who sort of launched this ministry. Uh, Denny and Bella Matthews are um, involved in running this ministry and just amazing people that I spent uh, a handful of days with. And outside of me <clears throat> physically being uh, getting a cold, not COVID, uh, just a cold uh, from going over there, um, you know, 24 hours door to door uh, to get there and 25, 26 to, to, to get home. Uh, there were some amazing lessons on leadership that I took from Lebanon. So the title of this episode is Lessons on Leadership from Lebanon. And so Lebanon, it's in, it's in the heart of the Middle East. Most of uh, it borders uh, Israel and uh, most of, I think the East and the on the North side is border Syria. And Syria's had some major uh, turmoil. Um, uh, a, a ton of folks have come over from Syria to uh, Lebanon. And so there's a, just a ton of refugees. It was said that there's only 4 million uh, Lebanese uh, in, in Lebanon, uh, but 3 million Syrian refugees. So 7 million total, but you know, 40% of the populations uh, is, is Syrian refugees. And so uh, Lebanon is uh, in financial collapse. So not like a, a, a bad situation or heading toward financial collapse or, um, and I only mention this because I, I've been pretty open on the podcast here about my thoughts about where um, our country is going uh, and uh, some of the challenges that, that we're going through. And I'll touch a little bit more on this uh, here uh, in, in a little bit, um, but they're in, in collapse. Um, their banks have shut their doors. So if you had 100,000 in the bank, not only can you not get it, the hundred thousand is worth five thousand. There, uh, there, I think it's called the lire, uh, Lebanese lire, uh, is worth one twentieth of what it was uh, just just a, a, a few years ago. So, there's two things I want to touch on uh, that really profoundly uh, impacted me. Uh, the we we visited a local mission uh, there, a a local church. Um, and the, the heart of this church is discipleship. So you come into the church and, you know, you're discipled into the church. Most folks are, you know, coming in uh, from a Muslim background and there's like extreme persecution within their communities and their families to even um, entertain a conversation uh, about their, their faith and, you know, what, 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 who Jesus is and 
you know, all, all of that um, because of their background. Um, but this, this church, the way that it's structured is, you know, they, they create disciples who then create disciples. Uh, and the way they do it, do it is to come alongside folks in need. So to use an example, um, and obviously without name, naming names, but to use, use an example, uh, you know, someone that, um, you know, fled Syria uh, to, you know, with, with nothing, literally nothing to come into, into Lebanon and one of the, uh, they have a life center there in a medical center, and they need that the government is is in collapse. The healthcare system there is in collapse. Uh, there's a brain drain going out, meaning all the professionals, the doctors, um, have fled the country into better uh, economies. This this ministry, uh, they come alongside these folks that are suffering, uh, physically suffering, and they offer them, you know, basic healthcare uh as a way to 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 just get into their life and to get into you know just get into a relationship with them um and and this is not as much about you know where where my faith is as much as it as it is it it struck me you know profoundly that they they serve they they, they just serve they just love people and and so they have a, a heart of um, love and service, and and in in that way, they they attract people into conversations about where they are with their faith and and those sorts of things. So the the analogy in business is you know, and and this really hit me because I I spent a lot of years in business you know, selfishly building because I was overwhelmed. I was stressed. You know, I was adding people to take over parts of the job because we were growing fast and I was stressed and just throw people at it. It wasn't that bad. I would build systems and we, we scaled as, as sort of responsibly as you could. But for, for much of my, my growth years, you know, maybe 2008 to 2012, 13, 14, you know, I was a solo agent selling 44 homes in my first full year in 2008 handful of years later, I did over 400 transactions and, you know, had never built a business before. I had never managed or led people before. So while I was doing the best that I can, I certainly didn't come alongside people that, you know, needed me to slow down and just spend time with them and, and be with them. And so it really just hit me to the point where uh, some of you, if, if you've ever seen me speak uh, at a live event or on stage, um, at an EXP event, you know, I, I get emotional sometimes. Um, we had a dinner there with some of the top business people in Lebanon and they, uh, I got a chance to speak. Actually, I spoke after Frank Harrison. So Frank Harrison is the fourth generation um, CEO, chairman of Coca-Cola Consolidated. So multi-billion dollar company, 17,000 employees under his leadership. He spoke and then the guy that was running the, the evening was like, hey, Lars, why don't, why don't you speak? You know, you've got a background in business coaching. These are all business people. And so I'm going after this, this you know, super successful guy. And I'm not taking away from what I, I've achieved, but it, it was like almost like, holy cow. Um, I was speaking to this group and I got really, really emotional to the point where I could hardly get the words out because I had to say to them that I've learned more in the last two days about leadership than I, I've, I've ever 
learned about leadership. And I've, I've read all the books I've, you know, I've kind of done all the things and, you know, but I've never seen folks that are so willing to do whatever it takes to love on people that are less fortunate that, that, than, than they are, um, because they have, they have just a heart, a natural, uh, inclination, or maybe it's not natural. Maybe there are times where they don't feel like loving on people, but they do it anyway. And they're called to do it. And they're so clear about their calling. That was the most crazy thing. So here I am talking, you know, after this super successful, you know, guy, Frank Harrison, that manages 17,000 people indirectly and directly. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, I, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, the biggest team I've ever had was, you know, like 20, 22 people, uh, or something like that. And, um, but I, I just, I praise them for the way that they approach everything they do in terms of just looking out for the heart of the person. And we're no one person is better than the other, which was really a profound le uh, uh, lesson in leadership. And, and Frank uh, mentioned it during his chat, you know, he talked about servant leadership over and over and over again. And, you know, it's easy to say and, and, and really hard to do. And so these, these individuals just emanated the heart of Jesus in terms of just loving on their people. So that was number one, is just to really see true servant leadership in action. And number two, I will say, is, is sort of more capitalistic. Uh, like I said, when I started uh, th this episode, if you've seen me chat a little bit about some of the challenges that I think we're going to go through as a country and what I'm doing to prepare for it personally in my business and you know with my finances and all of that, I was, I was in a country where it couldn't be any worse in terms of like financial collapse. Like I said, banks are closed. Your money is worth 120th of what it was a few years ago. Um, there's no, nobody uses credit cards. Uh, nobody trusts banks. Uh, there's like diametrically opposed political landscape. Um, they don't trust their government, like all the bad stuff. Yet, the, the people were still out and about. People were still driving their cars. There was a uh, Mercedes dealership. There were Starbucks open everywhere. And this is in Beirut. So it's more of a hustle bustle city. But we went out into Beirut in uh, the neighboring um, valley. I forget the name of it. Uh, amazing experience. We actually visited uh, ruins that were from 100 BC to 200 AD, they were built out over a 300 year period and just like blow your mind in terms of what, what we witnessed. And I totally forget uh, what, what it was. It's the valley right over the, you know, it, it, the Mediterranean Sea and then uh, Beirut and then it goes over and there's the valley on the other side. And even there, like the, it was a tourism place and the gift shop was open and, you know, and, and it struck me that no matter what happens or what would happen in our own country, you know, watched a little bit of the news this morning when I, I got back, I only got back a couple of days ago, watched a little bit of the news this morning. And, you know, they're talking about for sure food storages, rolling blackouts this summer in many uh, metro markets. Um, I just for the first time filled up my car just last night and it was $100. Uh, it's never been a hundred dollars to fill up my, my, my gas tank. Um, and even, you know, even what's going on here now, I just have a lot more comfort that 
I, I was actually in a city where, and there's lots of hardship. There's a lot of folks that don't, they're not able to provide for themselves. And at the same time, there are folks that are figuring it out and making it happen and, and making a way. And so the, the human spirit, as far as its ability to, to adapt to whatever situation comes its way, really encouraged me quite a bit to just calm down a little bit in terms of what's happening uh, here in our country. I'm not minimizing what might happen. I'm fully prepared and I'm, 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 I have a lot of peace around being prepared for what might happen in terms of disruptions in our supply chain, food shortages. You know, I have gasoline, uh, a little bit of gasoline stored up in case there's a, an energy, you know, some of the diesel prices may inflate here and, you know, gasoline may have a, a challenge working itself around the country. So all those things might happen. And at the same time, we're going to figure it out. And that would just give me a lot of peace. Uh, and, and the last thing, so, so those are the two things, seeing true leaders, uh, servant leadership in action, and then just seeing the human spirit, the way that it's, uh, it adapts and it, it, it does what it needs to do to survive. And, you know, some of the folks are, are thriving in that environment. And the last point I want to make here, and this is, this is really a question that I'm, I'm wrestling with, and maybe there's something for you to relate to in here. You know, the challenges that I've been through in business and, and leading and managing people and, you know, finding time to do the things that matter most uh, to push a business forward, um, all those sorts of things, just seeing it in, in my own spirit in terms of when things are bad or things are good, how I adapt and how I am able to make things happen, no matter, no matter what the circumstances, but seeing that, you know, the question is what, what am I going to do about it? And not so much like, you know, am I going to jump feet first and, and move my family to, to Lebanon and, you know, set up shop there and, and disciple and, and become part of that, that church more so like, how am I going to have an awareness that, that there's more to life than just hard charging in the business? There, there are folks around the world where, and again, I've been on a handful of mission trips and I, I've seen extreme poverty and maybe it's just been too many years since I've seen it, but just hearing some of the stories, like we ate dinner with someone who, you know, her dad threatened to physically hang her because of her conversion from uh, Muslim to Christianity. And she had to flee Syria as a result. Like, that's just not, you know, we're so casual here in the US. And this isn't as much a criticism about, you know, lukewarm Christianity in the US. It, 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 it's more so a criticism and, and a criticism of me about like, what are you doing outside of this own little bubble you've created for yourself? You know, I've impacted folks. Um, so I'm not dismissing what I've done in business. I just think there's an opportunity for me to have a much bigger impact in the world. And maybe if you were to look at your current situation and um, are you doing the necessary things to put yourself in a position to have a meaningful impact in your family first, in your community second, and then ultimately in the world. So I've, I've stacked those things. I've done a really good job, but I still have this sort of suspicion that God has a bigger plan for me. And so maybe it's not God for you. Maybe it's some higher calling that you feel for yourself. And maybe you're not in a position to take action on it right now, but maybe 
You can start doing the things you need to do to stack the successes in your business so that you put yourself in a position to really deeply impact your family members, to create a lifestyle and a life for your family that they never thought was possible. That was my first vision when I got into real estate. Every morning I read my, my why was to create uh, a life for my family that they never thought was possible. And then when I did that, it was like, okay, so what's next? It was, you know, to impact maybe, you know, uh, in a bigger way. And, and that's where uh, Real Estate B-School came in. And that's where I really started speaking into the lives of team builders and top agents in terms of like, hey, listen, business is great, but there's, oh, there's more to business. There's more to life than just driving the business hardcore, right? And now there's a bigger calling like, hey, what if I could, you know, partner globally with the blessings that I have financially and make an impact in the world? So no matter where you are today, my challenge for you is, is, is to, to think about, am I showing up the way that I need to show up to have the impact I want to have in the areas of life that matter to me for this season of my life? So I don't want you to, you know, get bummed out if you're not in a position to go help some ministry in the Middle East, because you may need to just start today to commit to a three-hour time block in the morning for new business development, you know, to commit to 20 meaningful conversations a day with buyers and sellers, right? So you may not, it just may be for now, for you, just stack a whole bunch of days, a whole bunch of weeks and months and, and years of doing the activities you need to do to drive business growth, especially as we enter a wonky, weird inventory increasing, interest rates increasing market that we're going into. So I hope this was helpful for you. I want to encourage you to go to realestatebusinessgrowth.com. That's realestatebusinessgrowth.com. Um, I put together, I think it's like a 16 or 17 page report that details the six stages from you know new agent, zero GCI, zero transactions to you know six stages to 3 million plus GCI, everything you need to, to do, what the tools you'll need to implement, the questions you need to be asking yourself, the team structure that you'll have. Um, it's all right there, realestatebusinessgrowth.com. Uh, we'll see you over there. Much love, much respect. Talk soon. Thanks for listening. Would you please take a minute to share the show with other team leaders who may be struggling? And if you love the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn step-by-step -step how to build a profitable real estate team that allows you to get out of the real estate grind and live the lifestyle you've been dreaming about, visit us at joinrebs.com. That's joinrebs.com. Our coaching, training systems, and support will help you get more high-quality leads, increase your conversions and sales, improve your client experience, and allow you to scale your real estate business, all while reducing the amount of hours you work and the stress you endure. Just go to joinrebs.com for more info now. See you on the next episode.